0: On. Service from hell. <laughs> I just gotta figure out what I'm doing yeah I don't want to limit your movements uh this is my biggest problem is that I match how people sound when I'm interviewing them so I'm yeah. going to try to not yeah. sound like you when I'm doing this Oh hi! You're listening to Service from Hell podcast, featuring people that are currently in customer service positions, or the lucky ones that got out, and all the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this, as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. <laughs> I'd like to welcome our guest, Michelle Garris. Michelle is joining us via Skype because I am not in LA and we are still technically speaking under a quarantine, which is... Annoying. So the sound's going to reflect that a little bit. That said, Michelle's been working in Hollywood for some of the least popular shows you've probably never heard of, like Friday Night Lights, Desperate Housewives, and The Office as a production assistant and a post PA. And she's worked for a ton of companies that you have heard of and seen when you're watching movies or TV. So I better know Michelle from her putting me on some of the most fun sets of my life to work and watch her direct people and handle business and be amazing. Michelle, I've only physically seen you once in five months, which is bullshit. But tell me how you are and where you are and what happens in your life because you're a true Hollywood success story. So take it away, Michelle. She's laughing at that.
1: (laughs) I'm laughing so much. Thank you. Much needed. (laughs) Um, How am I? Mm, I am okay. Okay. The world is on fire. I am okay. Where are you from? I am from Northridge, California, but raised in. South Carolina, a little town called Rock Hill, 20 minutes south of Charlotte, North Carolina, and I have lived in L.A. for almost 15 years now.
0: Wow. Do you like L.A.? I
1: do. I love it. Oh, that's
0: good. Okay. So what brought you out to L.A. to begin with?
1: Um, I came out here um, originally, you may not know this, for the first time when I was 18, because I, too, was going to be an actor. Oh, really? I did not know this. (laughs) Yeah. I still have my contact sheet. So I, that only lasted six months. I was a hot mess at 18. I'm very <laughs> thankful. We did not have social media.
0: Hello, uh, hello.
1: <laughs> oh, same. Uh, I took acting classes from a guy named Aaron Spicer who was lovely. And he had worked with Jennifer Lopez and Will Smith and LL Cool J and a uh, very cool guy from Brooklyn and I lived with some friends of mine from back home that were out here recording an album, so I lived on an air mattress on basically Pico and Bundy, um, and we yeah there was there was five of us in a three bedroom apartment, oh god, and we had <laughs> we had camping chairs in our living room, <laughs> and I think they got the entertainment center from the alley. So those were much different days, and like I said, that only lasted six months. And then I went back home to South Carolina to get some things sorted, as they say. Okay. What, why only
0: six months? Like, what was the split that made you leave?
1: <laughs> I think um, being 18 and doing the thing where you quit a job before you get another job. And also drinking four nights a week at the Rainbow and Viper Room was not helpful.
0: No. Uh, turns out that'll derail you a bit.
1: Okay. Yeah, so not not, not on a good, good path. And I knew, you know, I had always loved movies. And I knew that I wanted to be part of the business somehow, but that acting was not for me. Mm-hmm. So went back, went back to school for a bit. And some other things happened, uh, but then came back out here a few years later. And I've been back out ever since. But I came back out and I went to film school. I went to the Los Angeles film school.
0: Okay, what was your focus, or is there like, can you focus on a particular major at the, at this film school?
1: Mm-hmm. At the time when I went, it was only a certificate program, so you go a year <laughs> and you it's like it's like an elongated summer camp, right? Uh, but now they have associate degree programs and bachelor's programs. But I focus on producing and and editing. Those okay. are my cup of teas. Okay. And so
0: real quick, I just want to jump back to those bars that you mentioned where you were not yet 21. Did you have a fake ID?
1: I did. So I had worked at a gym back home and there was a young woman who was very smitten with my manager. And she thought if she did me a solid that he would like her more. So she gave me her ID <laughs> and the the <laughs> bouncer, the door guy at the rainbow I went there so much. He called me by that name. I think her name was Veronica.
0: Oh, my gosh. So he was like, what's
1: up, Veronica? How are you? Yeah. <laughs> would yeah. you remember yeah, that was your back name? In those days, I don't know what they do now, but they um, they had a scanner and they would scan to see if the license was real. So Holy yeah, shit. no problem getting into places.
0: Wait, so would you remember to answer to Veronica if he called you that? Were you like, <laughs> oh, shit, that's me?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, were good. Cause we were out there enough. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's actually where I first waited tables at the Rainbow. So I will we'll, die. we'll get to. We that. are going
0: yeah. to get to that. Oh, I did not. Wow, I'm learning so much about you, Michelle. Okay, so you, so you had your stint. You come back to LA. You go, now, did you immediately enroll in film school when you came back out here with the intention of? Okay, I know I no longer want to act, but I definitely still want to be in film and television. Or was it just? Eh, I'll try this.
1: No, so I, I was still in South Carolina, and I had been waiting tables at the Olive Garden for a long time. You are the third person I've interviewed that had to work there. Keep going. (laughs) We'll get to it. So, you know, I was really stuck, right? Um, There were some family things going on. And, you know, I was just like, I got to go. And I don't know how to do this because, you know, being young, I was not good at saving money. But, you know, this was in 2006, before everything happened with the financial crisis, and so I applied to the school, I got accepted, and then I got a giant loan. Like, they gave a 22-year-old a giant loan. Of yeah. course they did.
0: Of course they did. Yeah.
1: So, you know, had, had it been after 2008, it would have been a different story. But I got accepted, I got the money, and I, and I left. My brother got married on my birthday, and the next day I had my car packed and I drove across the country with a friend.
0: Wow. How long did it take you to get, because South Carolina to to California is a hike.
1: Yeah, I think we did it in, I want to say five days because my friend had never been to Vegas. So we stopped in Vegas and did that for a night. Were you Veronica yeah. in Vegas or were you already 21 at that point? No, I was, yeah, I was 20. I had just turned 23. Okay. So, so you got to be Michelle in Vegas. That's yeah. nice. But I was, by the time I was 23, I was kind of done with all that. So not, it started to not be fun, uh, at a young age. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think you're fun. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. So you, fun. <laughs> yes, they are. Okay. So you, so you've come to LA now. Do you end up, so did you move in with that friend that you drove here or you drove there from South Carolina with or how did, what was your living situation? How did you know what to do?
1: So, no, she flew back home. There was a there was a, a guy I waited tables with that was going to move out here to be an actor. And so the plan was he was going to come a bit later. Long story short, he never showed. Oh, girl. <laughs> I had to get bolt cutters to get into storage. There was a whole... I still have that pair of bolt cutters in my car. Um, but he bailed on me. We were going to have a place in Glassell Park. But at the time... My uh, grandfather was in St. Gabriel, which is near Pasadena. So I just stayed with him for a few weeks until I got a roommate from school and then lived in a loft with this guy named Billy for the first six months of school behind the Roosevelt in Hollywood. And we would just walk down to school because the school's bar and Sunset, right around um, Sunset and Vine. So,
0: Okay, I'm going to yeah. rewind you real quick. Why did you need bolt cutters for a storage unit? Did you have a storage unit out here That had all your stuff in it?
1: I forget the details of it. I think it was like his stuff and there was a key in there or I don't, I don't know. I forget. I think he had come out here like once or twice to look at things and had some of his things, but something, it it had been so long. But every, you know, I still have the bolt cutters just in case.
0: Wow. Okay. So you, when you went into his storage unit, was there stuff in there you needed to get out or was it just to help him out or was it like this dude screwed me? It was not to
1: help him out. I know.
0: (laughs) Okay. We'll brush past it. Okay, cool. So you live uh, within walking distance of school and how, so it was a certificate program and it was just one year. Yes. Okay. So you get a massive loan for that year. You're in school all the time. Then what happens
1: when you graduate? Uh, mind you, I did try and still wait tables at the Olive Garden in Westwood.
0: Oh my god! Oh, it's I such went a specific name. <laughs>
1: three different states.
0: <laughs> you are a loyalist. We're gonna get into that. wait. Did you actually <laughs> end up doing it, or you just tried to do it?
1: I did. I did for maybe like a month or so, but it was the schedule at school was so hard. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. OK, so you graduate school and then are you moving directly on to being on set or how did you what was your transition?
1: Yeah, so I, I worked on a lot of shorts and a lot of music videos like low budget, no name band music videos when I got out of school and one of the young women. So our school there, you get to know the different classes. And this woman who had been like six months ahead of me, Hannah Lux Davis, who is a prolific amazing music video director now and like moving into all sorts of other things. She's worked with Nicki Minaj, Ariana Grande, like she was always hustling. So I worked on some of her music videos, you know, like a hundred bucks a day. And she was just so sweet. We did this one out in Vasquez rocks where some people were throwing up from the heat. Yeah. Yeah. And she was actually the one that had recommended me for my first official TV gig as a post as a I mean, not as a post as a set production assistant. So that was Desperate Housewives.
0: OK, so she was ahead of you in school. So you met her on campus or how did you mm-hmm. get? Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. Oh, so, so that transitions you into film and TV and then. So where are you? I know you currently, you're still working in film and television. And do you see yourself doing that for the long haul? Like as far as staying in entertainment? Or do you, you know, are you kind of sick of it? Because it's like such a hustle? Are there aspects of it that you want to stick out? Or are you just kind of like, I'm not sure? Or is this question trappy? And you don't want to answer this? You can shake your head yes or no. No,
1: I, you know, I, I love so many things about it. Um. I'm so happy to spill the tea on some things that I do not love about it. You're going to get there, too. No, it's, you know, I I think with the way things are in the world right now, I want to do more, you Mm. know, in the sense of service. And so we'll see what happens with that. You know, a lot of companies are developing more programs and more community-based initiatives. So we'll see what happens. I've learned to not count anything out because you know I have gotten some of the things that I have asked for and they turn out to not be the thing that I really need.
0: Mm, that's so profound. Okay. If y'all can't tell Michelle's one of my like wisest friends that drops gems all the time, so that will be one of many. Now I've set the bar too high. So real high. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> now you're still in Los Angeles and you mm, See, I'm trying not to
1: Would you like to hear about the first feature film
0: I worked on? I would. We are going to get there in the next section. So I feel like we've we've introduced you. Okay. That was Michelle. So we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to move on to the entrees after a quick break. We're back. And now it's time to move on to the entrees because you've had your salads and your nachos. And this is where, okay this is a super speedy speed round of questions. But feel free to tell stories that, you know, jump off out of these questions because this is your time to shine. Okay, what was your first job ever, ever, ever?
1: I worked at a pizza place in the food court of a one story mall. Oh,
0: a one-story mall.
1: Okay. One-story mall living large in the, in the, in the city.
0: Okay. Um, now, I don't think I've, a, I've talked to anyone that's worked at a food court. So what is uniquely terrible or uniquely awesome about food court?
1: work? Oh, this is the late 90s. I'm super dating myself. And, you know, everything pre-social media is just every, you know, really present, really bored. Uh, Christmas time is <laughs> the worst because you have all that music and then you have the mall rats. But the guy I worked for was amazing and such a good person. Uh, he was a first generation Italian guy from Jersey in the pizza, I'm spoiled. Like I still have dreams about eating that pizza. Was it actually really good? It was so good. It was so good. Yeah. So I worked there off and on for four years and he became like a surrogate uncle and I was just such a mess. I keep saying that, but very, very volatile and opinionated and having panic attacks. Like, you know, the first time I got fired, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the first time <laughs> I got fired uh, was because he had family in town and I got last-minute tickets to go see Kiss. And I'm 15, so I go to the concert. Obviously. And he, and he fired me. But then <laughs> we did that dance back and forth for a long time.
0: Okay, so you got fired and then rehired? hmm Oh, I love that. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get into that. Story. We'll get there in a second. Okay, so how many customer service jobs have you had? Ooh. We can count them.
1: In- including like production assistant jobs or just um, like restaurants. So
0: I would include production assistants because you're dealing with so much chaos. But if that's going to put you in a tricky position, then let's just so, count. Let's
1: see. Okay. Pizza, Outback.
0: Outback Steakhouse, correct?
1: Outback Steakhouse. Okay. Gibson Flair.
0: Everyone should watch Waiting immediately. Who's listening to this podcast? If you haven't seen it, it is too real. One of Ryan Reynolds' first.
1: Your servers. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Hello.
0: Now we've got Olive Garden. You haven't said that yet, but we're at Olive Garden. Some
1: Mongolian fanfare in Montana. um, I don't know about that. Texas Roadhouse girl. Oh. So we're at five. And then I mean, probably at least fifteen. Okay. Go with fifteen. Okay. The shows. Okay. That, I worked at a shoe store in
0: the mall, also. So you were really loyal to the mall experience. I feel like that had a lot to do with gr- raising you, because <laughs>
1: where else is this sixteen-year-old going to go?
0: I mean, I guess that's a yeah. I I went to restaurants like near by in my town, but my sister worked at the mall. Like most of my friends worked at the mall. Like that was where. That's where things happened. And also pre social media, I mean, that was your social life. The mall was a great place. Okay. So I want to go back to one thing though, really quickly. Did you find the difference between like or were there significant differences between working at a food court versus like a standalone outback steakhouse or Olive Garden or was it kind of like food services, food services, food service? Cause for me, working at the thought of working in a food court, I'm like, I just don't think I could deal with that small confined space and that I could, I don't know. I just, I have a a picture in my head.
1: Um, I think it was, the food. you know, the pizza place was actually pretty good because of the guy that owned it. Because he would tell people to fuck off in a nice way. (laughs) He's like, I don't need your business. You can go, you know. Um, The only downside to that was that he had cameras that actually also had audio recording. Oh, shit. And so... As a young young person chatting <laughs> with your coworkers, there may be some stories you're telling that you don't want your nice Catholic <laughs> boss to hear about.
0: Okay, did that happen to you, Michelle? It sure did. Okay. It sure did. Okay. What a lesson I learned. <laughs> How did you find out that there was audio recording? Did he come to you with some hot facts?
1: Because yes, we had a nice uh, we had a nice sit down. <laughs> Were you fired after that, too? No, he was. It was like a very paternal kind of, you know, look, just so you know, maybe there are things you don't want to be discussing. And maybe also as a young lady, maybe these are some things you want to consider. Oh, he was nice. He was so nice. I could not look him in the eye for probably a week. Oh, yeah. I would have (laughs)
0: quit. I would have been like, well, thank you so much for this lesson. I'm dead. All right, back to the list of questions. What was your favorite job of all of the customer service jobs you've had? Take your time.
1: I would have to say when I worked at Gold's Gym in Venice when I was 18 and out here for that six months, that was really fun. Having like Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, Mm -hmm. The Rock, all of these, you know, big time athletes and celebrities would come down there and be like, can you, you know, hang on to my Gucci sunglasses? Can you hang on to these things? And that, that was really fun. But my managers did not like me smoking Marlboro Lights out front. So I had to go to the back to do that. <laughs> okay.
0: They weren't into you smoking in front of a gym? What assholes. No, was. not at all. Not at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was your least favorite of all of the customer service jobs you had?
1: Oh, I think I think it was a family-owned restaurant in my hometown. I don't want to say the name of it. Sure. But the management at the time they were just not good people. And that was one of the handful of jobs that I walked out on.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you comfortable telling that story
1: of walking out? I don't remember. It was, you know, being, being 16, 18, something like that, self-righteous, you're like, this is bullshit and I'm sick of this, you know, and you're just like, fuck it, I don't need this job, and you just quit, you know? <laughs> Good for you. That's the luxury of what you can do when you live at home with your mom. Hello.
0: So real. <laughs> okay. What's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock?
1: I think it would be a teamster giving me a big big gulp full of beer to give to one of the above the line people. Woo-hoo!
0: Okay. Um, In the middle of the day. uh Uh-huh. So I'm just going to, we should probably just clarify as vaguely as possible what above the line could mean. I'm not trying to get you into trouble by revealing. So what does above the line, what could that mean on
1: set? It could mean cast. It could mean producer. It could mean director. Okay. You know, studio executive, whoever. So
0: people that, you know have some important influence on the set experience for all involved. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just yes. wanted to clarify yeah. what that meant. Okay. Here we go. Uh, yeah, that would be the weirdest. <laughs> okay. What, um what is an incident that made either a customer or a client ask to speak to your manager or your boss at some point whilst you were working? You don't have to list just one. That's so hard. Take your time. Because
1: usually, you know, I can sweet talk Almost anyone, it's right? Southern charm. So, oh, what a gift! What a <laughs> gift! Um, so, I can't really pinpoint that. I've had more of the experience of having the confrontation with my own manager.
0: Oh, well, care to share one of those stories? Not the That's pizza guy because he's bring nice. The table. Yeah,
1: bring that yeah. to the table. Um, I was on. I was working on a show. In in a low level assistant position where we were not given full staff, and I was doing more than my position required without title or a pay raise, which both I had asked about. And this is a very fancy show. This is not low budget. This is very fancy. Mm-hmm. And one of my supervisors, workaholic, always trying to prove things, always trying to be one of the guys. You know, I. Look, if you're an assistant in these kind of things, you're working 12 to 14 hours a day. Minimum. Happy to be there. I hustled so hard to get some of these jobs. But if I'm not doing something, I want to go home and sleep. I'm exhausted because in Los Angeles, while you're working on these shows, traffic is horrendous. And depending on where you live and where you're shooting, especially if you're an assistant, I I drove around five hours a day as part of some of my assistant jobs in Los Angeles. So I was exhausted. And... She got to be really kind of condescending. And um, my uncle had passed away unexpectedly. And so I let them know, you know, I'm going to need some time off. And but I'll come in and I'll bring the credit card for the office that we're going to go buy supplies with and someone else can take care of it. And and I got a text asking me if I could stop by Staples on my way in dropping off the card. I, I will die. Yeah. Yeah. The audacity. There, yeah. But, you know, like a nice introvert, we all have our buttons and we all have our tipping point. And there's something in me that broke. And so when I got into that office, I said, we need to have a conversation. (laughs) So I "I don't appreciate how condescending you have been. And, you know, she goes, well, I don't think you appreciate the job. And I was like, oh, you want to talk about my work ethic? And it just, you know, got to be really heated. And I went back to my car and I thought I got to go smooth this out right? Because you want to get hired again on something and and it really matters what some of these people think. And so I had smoothed it out enough, but I did not get asked back to the show because also they wanted me to work a lot of Saturdays. But it's like, if you're not paying me a ton extra and I'm not getting a title bump, I'm not doing extra work. You guys can do it, you know? So I was not asked back to the show, (laughs) but I don't care. It was worth it because don't come in here and ask me to go get some paper when my uncle died get out of my face. It's my favorite thing you say.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that's sort of the thing that people don't understand in when you're an assistant of any kind, but especially when you're a PA, whether it's post or like on set or a production at any of those various jobs, there's so many people hungry and waiting in line behind you thinking that if they tolerate unacceptable treatment, that they will then eventually get seen as the hard worker, the hero, the bumped up whatever. And it's like, well, unless you're a white man, good luck. I mean, just anyway, separate issue. Do
1: you want to hear something amazing, though? Obviously. So later, I went to work at a place where they put together many shows. I'm not going to name names. But on one of the many shows they were doing, this person was a supervisor on one of them, who then got fired because she was not good at her job. And I was not sad to hear about it.
0: When you say this person, you mean the woman that you confronted and said, yes. you've been ah, yes. sweet karma in real time. It's my yeah. favorite thing. So yeah. on the heels of that, can you tell that you had mentioned earlier that you were going to tell the story of the very first, I guess, film you had worked on. You were like, do you yes. Yes. So want to hear that story? Yes. Now I want to hear that
1: So I had worked on music videos and shorts. And then the first movie I got to work on was a low budget film starring Mr. Ray Liotta. Hey, Ray. With Andy Garcia and Armand Asante guest-starring Issa Morales. So... Oh, he real pretty. Okay. He was shirtless in most of that movie. Mm. It was not, a, not an unfun, unfun time to be on set. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so we shot most of that in L.A. Um, it was my first first movie. I was a set production assistant. And I was so happy to be there, but our team... Our assistant directors that I was working under were screamers. And I'm not talking about someone who's talking loud and aggressive. I'm talking about straight up screaming in your face. So that team got fired. And then another team of directors came in. The screaming team got fired, right? the 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 screaming team got fired. Another another team got hired. And then we shot in Tijuana for two weeks. Hello. Yes. So that was... A real challenge. We we were at a real brothel shooting. Come on. Yeah. They had only redressed one of the rooms that they were shooting in. And so the crew, I know oh oh <laughs> if you could see my face right now. Oh. I, don't, I don't think i will told you this. Uh-uh. Yeah, so they redressed one room and you know the rest of the crew was spread out in other rooms and they had gear and I saw people sitting on the desk. I'm like, get off of that bed. What are you oh my doing? God. That's like not been redressed. And I had to be like, I gotta get out of here like, I will be outside. I just, the energy was too much. Oh, right? it's toxic.
0: Wait, when you yeah. say redress, can you explain to the audience? I know what that is, but can you explain to them what that means and why it's so disgusting that at a, particularly at a brothel to have not redressed is so specific? Yeah.
1: Meaning, meaning you take all of the original furniture, tapestries, what have you out of that room and you put it in with clean, new functioning for the scene pieces. So these are sanitized, clean things. The other room's regular brothel business
0: my god and they chose not to redress and they're shooting in there I can't I oh god I cannot imagine
1: okay great yeah
0: so that was your first so what happened so was it better in Tijuana with this new team
1: um to a degree but you know this is one of the other shows I also got fired from um (laughs) best guest ever I
0: love
1: it (laughs) So, you know, as happy I was to be there, a lot of the other crew members were like, this is the worst show I've ever worked on. And it wasn't until later that I got on real professional things that I'm like, oh, as a set PA, I don't have to put up pop-up tents. Like you have a locations department to handle this. You have craft service. You have it like it's really dialed in. So it was a hot mess, but we were shooting on a street one day and we had it locked off, meaning like coned off and we had security because we were shooting in a house. And so like neighborhood people could walk through, no, no big problem. And I was sitting on the back of, One of the equipment trucks with the tailgate lowered talking to some people. And this guy comes walking down the street looking like real, real fucked up. Like, oh, is he okay? What's up? And he ended up throwing up blood three feet in front of me. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, you know, and the problem had been before this. The Teamsters had been complaining, we don't have enough security. We don't have enough security. We need more security. And here comes this guy who threw up blood on tailgate. And it's just like, it's disgusting, it's scary, it's enraging. And we were all watching dailies in one of the big conference rooms one night, most of the the crew. And so I had told our first assistant director about this. And she was like, well, you really need to go talk to one of the producers about it. So one of the guys finance, I know, yes. She rolled, set you up. She set you right. up. That sucks. So this guy had like... You know, I think at the time, like the JLo tinted aviators were still a thing, sure, right? Sure. So he had on those. He had on lots of gross rings. a man! Right. This is not someone that still works in the business. Like, and if he does, it's straight to VOD. Hello. You know? right whatever
0: people audience who doesn't work in the industry that was a huge insult what michelle just said <laughs> keep going
1: <laughs> so i go and i, I tell him what happened and, and he like kind of feigns concern i was like oh okay you know well thanks for telling us and so i go back to my chair and whatever i'm hanging out and then he has one of his guys come over and be like oh he wants to talk to you again i'm like oh this dude looked me in the face and said well, you know, after more thought, it's like, we're working on one of the most dangerous cities in North America. What did you expect?
0: I expected more security for that yes. reason. Are you yes. kidding me? So yes. what'd you say I
1: to would, that? I was just like, okay, you know, because sometimes when I'm on, I'm on fire with that kind of stuff, I can't <laughs> say anything, right? Because right? I just, there's nothing I can say. But the next day we were having lunch, the crew, so it's like eight people and our line producer comes out. Hey, guys, so these are the things we're working on getting for you in the hotel. It's your amenities and these are what's going on with the shoot, blah, blah, blah. Does anyone have any questions? And I'm in the back. You know, mind you, I'm 24, right? First real big movie, Ray Liotta. And I raise my hand and go, yeah, when are we getting more security? That a girl. That a girl. <laughs> Everyone's head just turned. So we we finished the shoot in Tijuana. We had yet yeah, another assistant director team change and I did not make it through that one. They, The producers did not like the questions I was asking. And I was so devastated when I found out because, you know, it was like getting fired. And I had put so much into that and was so heartbroken. But I would have called him out again any other time.
0: That a girl. What it, can you explain to the audience? So is it common to have a team change that often on a shoot? No
1: no yeah. this is this is low budget like the director we had was really good he was young but when you're doing because it was also non-union so these are not dga people yeah. and and as you know because of social media and the way things are now like you can't get away with things anymore right like people have to be accountable Yay. um but but this was you know this was 2000 2007 right i don't know when the it was 2007, 2000, 2008, 2008 is when the writer
0: strike happened. 2009, the economy crashed.
1: Yeah. So, you know, people were especially then, you know, happy to have a job because at that time, Netflix was not a thing. The content being produced was your was your main primetime networks and your studio things. So, you know, happy to have a job, but non-union. No, thank you. No, thank you. And I I worked one of the other jobs. I worked a day on a reality TV show called A Shot at Love 2 with Tila Tequila. And I was like, I will never do reality again. And I never did because I can't take after you're on like a professional shoot. I can't take things not being set up well. It's just a waste of people's time. You're wasting people's time and their energy. That's a lot of work that goes into it
0: can you give me an example of a difference between a professional set uh, experience like a small anecdote that would have that was held handled very differently in reality TV
1: I think it's just really the scheduling you know it's scheduling up here's what we're doing we got it dialed in let's go do it and as a set production assistant and 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 assistant directors you know m- my job a lot of the times was we're kind of I don't want to say babysitting actors, but you because time is money, you have to know where everyone is. So if your top talent on the show is going to go over to craft service, you need to know that they're not wandering back to their trailer and it's another 20 minutes before you can get them to set because if they're lit and ready to shoot, we got to go, you know? And and nobody has time to be like looking for where the cast went.
0: And in reality TV, that was the case. It was like, where is so-and-so?
1: Oh yeah, just a mess. Everyone run around.
0: Ugh. Yeah. No, yeah. thanks.
1: No, thanks. Yeah. What was the
0: last straw that got you out of the last restaurant job that you had? Or mm-hmm. a last straw for a restaurant job?
1: I don't know. I mean, by the time I was I was done, this was right before I applied for film school, I maybe i already gotten in, but I, I was working at the Olive Garden in South Carolina, and just over it, right? Like, I worked with some fun people. But, man, you talk about free refills and, uh. and just people wanted to have like a fancy night out. We would take smoke breaks in the bathroom, the employee bathroom, <laughs> and just not care. Um, I got to the point where people would ask me for like their fifth boat of Alfredo sauce and I would lick the spoon and then put it in there. <laughs> uh, I just don't care because it's also one of those states where you're getting paid two thirteen dollars an hour. So you don't get a check and you're living off tips and $2 is not going to do anything for you.
0: Well and also on the unlimited, it's like you've done the work of as if that bill should be five hundred dollars, but the bill is twenty nine ninety nine because that's the deal. So if you get two dollars, woot. That was a, that was a generous tip even though it's less yeah. than 10%. That's yeah. oh that's crazy. And we Ohio is a 213 an hour state. So I yeah. that's
1: I don't know how they pull it. It should be illegal. That's I agree.
0: Crazy. I agree. Yeah. That's what I think a lot of people don't understand. That's why when people bring it up I reemphasize it. So if y'all have been listening to these episodes, you've heard me say it before, but it is crazy that you're not given minimum wage working at a restaurant yeah. in a lot of states. Yeah. Okay. How many bodily fluids have been on you whilst you were on the clock? Well we we we've established blood and Tijuana, but
1: Anything else? Yeah, almost. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I spilled more food on people than.
0: <laughs> on purpose or on accident?
1: <laughs> on accident, you know, but a boat of Marinara sauce on someone is not too fun. Ooh, and hot and oof. What would make you
0: accidentally spill? You would like I don't trip? Only have it only
1: happened a couple of times, but um, yeah. <laughs> more than zero, though, Michelle. <laughs> I, think, I think not caring is you kind know, no, of
0: That is a dangerous weapon. If only most employees understood. As soon as you're detached, you are violent. That's it. (laughs) Okay. Do you tip? Oh, yeah. Okay. How much? For sure. 20%. Okay. What if the service is bad?
1: 15. I can't not, Mm. you know. Yeah. Especially in LA, like rent is high. People have to pay their bills.
0: Now, how would you devil's advocate question? How would you argue? Do you think it's fair that it's your responsibility to, uh, you know, cover my rent as the employee? Or do you think that the business itself should be responsible for that?
1: I think being a human being should make you compassionate to the problems that exist in the world. So get on board or stay the fuck home.
0: And that's the soundbite for this episode. That was awesome. <laughs> I didn't even tell her to say that, y'all. She really meant that. Oh, I got good friends. Yeah. Okay. In, in the times when you were working in a tipped position, have you ever been stiffed?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> for attitude or what? You really believe change. Girl, I really
0: cannot. Changed. God bless my, I mean, like God bless. Hi, Andrea. This is for you. My God love my friend. Andrea was saying how she was trying overly over and over and over again to explain to her mother why leaving change is so insulting. And I was trying to explain to her like from, from older people, like if the older demographic leaves change, but they also leave some cash for whatever reason, I don't get insulted when you're like above a certain age, because I think it's an existing mentality, but don't you, don't you dare be in your 20s, 30s, 40s or 50s and slap down two quarters and think that you are not promptly being handed those two quarters right, right back to yourself. Like, yeah. no, thank yeah. you. No, thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so that was how you consider that being stiffed is having change left. Yeah. But
1: also people just not paying. Yeah, of course. You okay. You can't get away from it.
0: So did you ever have anybody walk out on a bill when you were working there
1: or in any of those jobs? May- maybe, you know, but nothing that I can really think of work. Cause I, you know, it's because i worked at mostly chain places you're not responsible for it so.
0: okay that's what i was gonna ask so we there i've interviewed some people that like like in and in some jobs i've personally had we have to cover the bill if somebody no, wants to
1: fuck those places
0: yeah i know right okay yeah. do you ever not tip like ever 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 no no okay. way like wow okay michelle's extremely generous she's she's an anomaly yeah were you ever fired from a customer service job that was not the pizza place and not working on set? Was there like a chain restaurant that you were fired from that you can remember? I walked out. I was a hostess at a Charlie's. <laughs> I walked out Oh, Charlie's. Do that. Was, was that what you said? I yeah. love it. We have an O'Charlie's in my town. It's like one of the only restaurants here. I love that so much.
1: Yeah. As a, as a, as a young person, the chicken tenders were a big night out with your high school friends. Hell
0: yeah, they were. Get that honey <laughs> mustard and some ranch That's shit for right. your fries.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where are my late 90s memes with chicken tenders? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, you walked out of a hostess job? Oh, yeah. What? I'm trying to think. I probably, I mean, I probably quit, got fired or walked out on at least five or six jobs. <laughs>
0: So impressive.
1: <laughs> okay. I my mom was worried about me going into the entertainment business. Gee, I, I wonder. That's such a strong work <laughs> ethic on my track.
0: <laughs> I think you do. See, I would disagree with that interpretation of you. I think you have a strong work ethic, but I think your bullshit meter is like, if most people can tolerate a hundred, you can handle five. And so pe- right. other people can ride out to the, get to the hundred and you're, as soon as you smell it, you're like, Oh, not today, sir.
1: So right. it's a good, also, thing. I'll clarify walking out and quitting and getting fired on most of these jobs. I was living at home, right? I had right. the privilege of being able to do so.
0: And you were in your teens or early twenties and it's like, we're all all right. Our frontal lobe yeah. hasn't developed at that point. So we're just like, this is OK. Oh yeah. Can you think of an, of an example of the worst customer you ever interacted with or s- someone that you can that sticks out as like a shitty customer in general?
1: I remember one incident in the pizza place. There was a guy being so rude that my boss came out and he was he like said, this is my little sister. How dare you treat her like this? Blah, 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 blah. And he shooed him away. But that was I was a little, I think. I was a little shocked that this guy was being so awful, and I didn't know how to handle it. And then uh, Joe came out and saved the day. Bless him, you're yeah. you're
0: a nice uncle. Okay,
1: yeah he he would schedule me Monday nights specifically, in addition to other nights, so we could talk about The Sopranos because he loved that show so much. Aww. Being an Italian, and then his cousin who lived in New York later in the show had a major arc as Carmela's love interest. Federico Castellucciano, and I eventually got to meet him and we all just talked about how great the Sopranos were.
0: Oh, I love that so much. You yeah. were really like you were folded into that Italian family. It sounds like like
1: you were really- totally. Yeah. Like I would work at his Catholic church doing the festivals and like help him and his wife and You know, it'd be exposure for the business. And he, you know, I would always tell him like, your food is so good. You need to open a restaurant. And today he has a restaurant. He's at it for many years now. And it is delightful and wonderful. It's called Fratelli's in Fort Mill. If anybody's ever out in South Carolina, go get some pizza. For tellies in Fort Mill
0: how sweet! and he's still yeah. alive and kicking. Like, he's still, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, he was really young when he started, so he might be in his early 50s. And
0: oh, in my yeah. head, in the story, he was in his early 50s. So, he no wonder yeah. he was able to tolerate your nonsense because he was in his 20s and he's like, Oh, I'm the same, yeah. but I can't yeah. act like I'm the same. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, so as far as all of your, your sort of set experiences, now you mentioned earlier you were willing to spill some tea, so um, yeah. I don't want to. I know a lot of the story, so I have to be careful. I can't ask the questions. So this is gonna make me sound like a terrible interviewer, but I have to just be careful. So um is there any tea that you'd be willing to spill? Sure, yes. Okay.
1: Yes, of course. Okay. I don't um, I will say I when I listen because I'm a big fan of your show. That your recent interview with Jaya, when she was talking about a certain celebrity who gave her such a hard time that she cried and mentioned it, you know, I think I'd had like, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's so-and-so. And And then she mentioned the show and I was like, oh, of course it's Eva Longoria. (laughs)
0: Thank you, because I'm like, I can't say it. And um I've gotten so many emails of like, hey, uh, who was that that she was saying? And I was like, I can't tell you because she asked me not
1: to. But I'm now you... there wasn't m- more people that emailed you saying, hey, I know who it was.
0: Yeah, well, uh, so can you explain why you personally
1: know that she is a difficult character? So I will say this. It was a long time ago. I think people are capable of change. She may, She's a mother now. She may be a different person. I don't know. But at the time in 2000, I'm going to go with eight. 2008, I had worked on, this was after the writer's strike. I was on the show for six weeks, finishing up the season as a set PA. And it was very intimidating. It was the first t- real TV show I had worked on. And at the time, massive, massive hit right? I was not the target audience. I had never watched it. But you knew it was a massive hit. Did you
0: say the name of the show? I don't think you did in this run. Are you able to say it if you don't want to say it? Desperate
1: Housewives.
0: Okay, sorry, go ahead. So massive hit, but you were not the demo.
1: Not the demo. So I get there very intimidating. And they eventually had me on what's called first team where you are tending to the main actors uh, getting food or you know whatever. And so you know, look, I understand the plight of because uh, I think some actors get a lot of shit of like, oh, this is the deal you signed up for. And so you have to take the pictures and do all the, you know. No. And especially like if you're at work, sometimes these crews can be 100, 200 people and that's a lot of people that you have to engage with all day, every day. You Whilst know? you're
0: trying to stay in character and remember your lines and remember how importantly expensive the production is. Like I'm with you on
1: that. Yeah. And I mean, so many actors, you know, listen to a lot of interviews with a lot of talent. And a lot of people have said, you know, even though they were doing well, they were still worried it was the last job they were gonna ever gonna have. Yep. Right. So it's kind of a known thing that when you're when you're working on a show you're not chatting up the talent, right? If they want to say hello, it's not, don't look at them. That's not the, I mean, look, there are a handful of crazy people like that, but it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to engage with you and, and try and get personal with you because it's, this is not part of the deal. So they can be, you know, a little guarded, right? Especially if you're been on a show for many years and then you have new crew in, you're a little guarded and all the other ladies were so nice. But there was one time, Like, I hadn't been on there maybe a week or something. And she asked me to get her some food. And then I I asked one of the assistant directors, like, where am I supposed to take this? And he said, oh, just put it in her chair. She's rehearsing. And and later she saw me and she said something like, you know, when I ask for something, I want it in my hand. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And then another time I was in the van with her, taking her up to the stage. They're ready to shoot. And I opened the door for her in the van. And she's just, like, sipping on her drink. Just, I'm, I'm there like a jackass with the door open, you I know, just, I can't, she, she finally gets out and we're walking to the stage. And of course I'm going to go open the door for her, but it was almost like a look of like, Oh, are you going to get that? You're going to get that door. I'm like, Bitch. And am like, uh, so, you know, I will say not appropriate behavior, certainly not the worst person in the world. Right. But not very, not welcoming, very, you know, and then somebody from the camera department was asking me how it was going. And how people were treating me. And I was like, everyone's treating me pretty good, mostly. And I was not going to, you know, and but they already knew who was giving me a hard time, you know. So not a horrible human being. But when you got kids, like, knew it's not your job to, like, be the welcome wagon, but just be, like, a decent person, right?
0: Yeah, you weren't asking for fireworks and backflips. You were just asking for, like, acknowledgement of your humanity which is real. But I've heard not just you two talking about her not being great. So also she's been mean to my friends. So, you know, seek forgiveness or change your behavior. Okay, cool. So that was a little bit of tea about one job. Do you now you worked on the ever popular series? And are you able to spill some tea about? Because I have heard some things about that set.
1: Yes, day played. On that show for a while as a set production assistant. What does day play mean? Meaning you're not staff, but you come in when they have bigger days and they need more help wrangling stuff. I will say it was one of the coolest sets I've ever seen because of the, the lab that they work in. That was very cool. I did not know anything about it going into it. What I soon learned was that certain people, person... A person could hold the set hostage, could change the energy in the room however he wanted. And I never had any personal interaction with, with him. But I remember being on set one day and like he had to go take a phone call and we were waiting for like 45 minutes or something. And just like the tension, right? It's like so much tension. This was actually the show that I had a breakdown on when I was going home one night, crying in my car, going, what am I doing with my life how am going to have a life if I'm working? Because at that time, I wanted to go DGA and be an assistant director. And 16, 17-hour days, constitutionally, were not physically good for me. You know, some people can do it and amazing, right? But it was not for me. But after I had stopped working in a set PA, I had heard more stories about mm-hmm. that show. One being that he got like over 50 assistant directors fired. Come like on. Broadcast. Yeah. Probably one of the most insane stories I've ever heard working in this business is that a per, is that an assistant got fired because he quote sloppily ate an orange in front of him. I and so, will and- die. I, what
0: <laughs> like uh, uh.
1: <laughs> then? Then he became the guy of like, oh yeah, I'm the orange guy, right? Like that story spread <laughs>
0: I love that he embraced it. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I'm the dude that ate. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my livelihood.
1: Oh, yeah. it's so fickle. That's so ridiculous. OK. Yeah. But, you know, the, the other then you then you had other cast members that were amazing. Right. So it's the thing of you have it because it's like, why are people, you know, because everyone's getting called out. Right. You know, you have sure. the Me Too movement. You have people saying racist remarks. You have people just straight up being assholes. And people are getting called out because it is time to change on every single level how we operate as a society. And especially in this business, because it is a business, right? Like people that want to get into film and TV, there is the idealistic young version of, you know, want to connect people and move them and make them feel not alone and all these beautiful things. At the end of the day, oh, boy, that bottom line is the to-do, right? So if you have a show... Making, I think the Grey's Anatomy franchise made Disney, has made ABC Disney like $3 billion. Billion with a B, with a B. So- When Ellen Pompeo came out and they did that article about her, she's like the highest paid TV actress now because she goes, yeah, I had to learn that I'm allowed to ask for my part. If this is what we're making for them, then it's time, especially for women, to get what's yours. And Reese Witherspoon talking to, you know, because she has her clothing line and her book club. And she goes, nobody's telling George Clooney he shouldn't be selling tequila. Come on. Uh,
0: You know, so ladies, let's do it. Oh, I love that! God, you're giving me see, guys, so many wisdom-filled gems. It's my favorite. Okay, well, we're gonna get into dessert, but is that all the tea? Is that? Do you have any more tea? I want to talk about um, my favorite set of yours and the good stuff because you told me some like lovely things that happened on that set. But is there any any tea that you're willing to spill from any other sets?
1: No, I can think about like really fun moments and really awkward moments okay we'll do that in dessert because i feel like those yeah. are good things
0: okay um well anything else you want to tell us about your restaurant experiences or anything because we're going to move into dessert now if you're
1: be nice to your servers because they will spit in your food
0: okay well that's going we're going you're going to give us advice in a minute <laughs> It's amazing <laughs> but that's facts
1: okay now
0: on to the good stuff we hope you save room for dessert okay we're back with dessert michelle was the nicest thing a customer has done for you while you were working and if you can't think of a customer you can also we can make this a two-parter that either yes a customer and also somebody on a set or maybe just somebody on a set because i know that's more recent for you
1: i can't you know
0: i can't this is literally the hardest question for everyone on the show and that makes me sad as fuck
1: because i think you know after being in customer service and and doing that for so long you know, you're having a good day if people just aren't being awful to you. Oh my god.
0: That's too real. It's too real, Michelle, it's too real. And yes, hardcore facts. I
1: appreciate people not being awful. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so just <laughs> bare minimum. I got a high bar.
0: <laughs> you you didn't leave any pennies in my book and also you didn't like literally take a dump on me. Great. Right. Um yeah. what's the best lesson that you have personally learned? Not advice you would give, but a lesson you learned either whilst at a restaurant job or on set or both, that like shifted something in you and you were like, oh shit, I learned this as a direct result of working in this industry.
1: Me personally, I've learned that I'm much more capable than I ever gave myself credit for. Mm, I love that. And to not, you know, I think it's the same with relationships, not believe that this is the last job, the last relationship, the only options I have for success or happiness because there is always more.
0: Mm, I love that. Wow. Okay. What's the, like, can you think of the best customer or like the best client or the best actor, or, like someone that you, uh, it stands out that like a customer that you were like, oh, this person said this thing to me and it always stuck with me or, oh, this, you know, this crew member said this to me or this talent said this to me.
1: Well, that's a two-parter. One, when I worked on Desperate Housewives, the UPM on there, told me, I think, some law that they had about driving. You know, if you work over certain many hours a day, by law, the production company either owes you a hotel or a taxi ride home because so many people in the business, enough people have died driving on the way home because they're exhausted, right? Because if you're on a TV show, you're working eight months, you're doing 14 to 16 hours a day and people die. And And that was later came in really handy because I ended up doing something for free. Um, it was a director. She had done some movie that I just absolutely had loved. And I was so excited to work on it. But it was like coming into 17 hours and nope. and not going well. And I just go, you know what? None of this is worth my health. Never. So I'm going home, guys. I'm going home. You're not keeping me. I have an hour drive home. This is enough. And um, it's just not worth it
0: okay so that was a so the UPM what does UPM mean for people not unit
1: production manager and
0: how high up are they on the above the line uh
1: I don't know if they're maybe they're above the line they should no they're not they should be because they're managing everything thank you
0: I wanted you to say that (laughs) I'm so manipulative
1: I'm such a pro guild and union person same because without it like you know People that work in production, it's like a glorified circus, right? But you have people working so hard and they're not seeing their families and they're making all of this magical stuff happen. Yep. And they would just be extorted if it were not for the unions and the guilds taking care of them and getting their benefits and, and having like, if you go over these amount of hours, you have to pay double time. You know, people's time is not for free anymore. Go fuck yourself.
0: Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know which line to pull for the episode because there's too many. I totally agree with that. And that's why I wanted you to explain kind of, and, and they essentially yeah. the UPM pulling you aside and saying that to you, the UPM would have been your boss's boss's boss. Right. So like that isn't someone that ever really had to interact with you. Right. Or am I no, reaching? No, typically
1: not. Yeah. Typically they don't, I mean, they can say hello. Hello. But you're not, you know, you're going to give them a call sheet and call it a day.
0: Yeah. So the fact that that person pulled you aside to let you know this information that ended up feeding your safety yeah. later is huge. It shouldn't yeah. be huge, but it is huge. Okay. What's one piece of advice that you would give to customers interacting with customer service workers? Um,
1: not on set.
0: Think specifically restaurant because I'm going to follow it up with a different
1: Know what you want after looking at the menu for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay and (laughs) and just be nice and and learn to ask for things together instead of having me go on five different treasure hunts Mm, I agree what is um advice
0: that you would give to front of the camera talent that is interacting with crew and specifically with PAs just be like Steve Carell Oh, what a fantastic transition. You read my mind because we were going to talk about The Office. Please tell everyone about how lovely he is and what you sort of what your experience was, please.
1: He is he is the loveliest person. Right. So even if he was not a famous actor, beloved by many, um, if he was your next door neighbor, you would be like, you should meet my next door neighbor. What a nice guy like. (laughs) That is Steve Carell, right? Very thoughtful. And, you know, the the lead of a show is what sets the tone, right? And uh, and he was just so delightful, so thoughtful, uh, so kind, so prepared, and made everyone's job super easy.
0: Are you willing to tell the story of, because I believe you were there, you were working on set when his tenure was ending with the show, correct?
1: Yes, I worked the seventh season, his last season, and they had had me... I was working in post-production as the PA. And so I actually um, shot his going away party that they did directly after his last scene. But I shot footage of him leaving set for the last time. Uh-huh. Um, super emotional, right? And most of the people on that crew had been there since the beginning. So it was really a family and everyone had known each other. And I had only been there a short time. But yeah, really special. They, they had a really good family over there.
0: Okay. And so what was, uh, did you ever interact with him directly?
1: I did, you know, not, not so much as like, we're going to talk about our day, but he was the kind of guy that would hold the door open for hair and makeup that had their hands full, help people get off the van if they had stuff, you know, just a really polite person who did not let anything go to his head. And he loved what, you know, loved what he did. I'm sure he still loves what he's doing, but it was the best. Yeah. Are you
0: now there's a lot of and if you can't speak to this, just say you can't. There's, you know, rumors online that he left because of a contract um, issue. Do you know why he chose to leave the office? This has nothing to I do have it with the no
1: idea, but I know it's pretty standard when people when actors sign on to a series. It's usually a, a seven seven season deal. Right. And so if that's up and you have other interests or you have a family you know, you want to go explore that. So who knows? I don't know. But maybe it was just time for him to move on. So Yeah, that's what I had heard. Okay, cool. Um, But we had so many fun guest stars ramping up to the end of his season. And Will Ferrell came on and he was delightful. And Timothy Olyphant was there. And I spilled my lunch in front of him. (laughs) So I love him. never going to be the cool kid. I was like, oh, let me just let me just walk away quickly now.
0: Okay. So it was a great set. Was that? Would you say that's one of your favorite sets that you worked on?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. And House, because that was one of the few shows that I was obsessed with. I was a bigger House fan than The Office fan. And I ended up in an elevator with Hugh Laurie one day. And he was just the nicest person. And he, you know, was all, all, I'd only been on that show a short time. But I had a friend that was on there for many seasons. And he was like, gave out like the best end of rap gifts and it was like super generous. And yeah, those are those are the kind of people you want starring on your show. Because like I said, you know, when you have leads that are not happy people, man, it's real hard going to work. And it doesn't matter if it is the fanciest thing in the world. Because um, that novelty will run off real quick when people are awful.
0: Yeah, because it sets the energy of what you have to walk into every day for 17 hours a day, which is your whole life. You see the the crew and you see the cast more than you see your family when you're working on a show. Okay, Michelle, so you've spilled the tea about, you know, some negative celebrity experiences. And since you just told us how lovely Steve Carell is, is there any other celebrity or like anything you can think of that you want to spill the tea about that was great,
1: a positive
0: tea spilling sesh?
1: Yeah, so I think, let me think, let me think. Um, Yeah, so the first feature that I worked on Uh, The one with Ray Liotta that ended up going to Tijuana. I failed to mention that the amazing Danny Trejo was also in that movie. Oh, he's a love. Yes, he should be the official patron saint of Los Angeles. (laughs) Oh, that's Uh, so real. He should be. Why do you feel that way? Because he's amazing. Like not, you know, born and raised in L.A. Everyone loves him. He's so generous and kind but we we were all there was a bunch of us from the the crew in the in the lobby of the hotel in Tijuana and so everyone's just chit-chatting kind of hanging out and he goes hey he said you want to help me like let's go order some stuff from the restaurant and bring it out for people to snack on I was like oh yeah cool whatever I'll help you and then just he and I ended up sitting down and having dinner (laughs) oh I love that. So he was telling me all these amazing stories about uh, Johnny Depp and Antonio Banderas. Really lovely. And then also he is really known in the sobriety community. I'm not breaking his anonymity. He speaks publicly about this. He's, I think, uh, done interviews about it in the trades, but he's been sober probably 50 years or something. And so he was talking about his work in recovery. And I know some people also in those kinds of programs and sharing stories. And, and then he was just talking about, you know, him being so grateful for things. And he said, you know, any kind of ego that I ever had about something, whether it was like the seat on the flight was not as good as so-and-so's or, you know, whatever it is, because you know how that can be really heavy handed in this business. He said, you know, I just think about my dad that tarred roofs for a living. And to look and see how far I'd come and just be incredibly grateful, you know, and he said that with all earnestness and humility. And we had some really good calamari um, (laughs) and he's just a sweetheart of a person. So I love that he's got, you know, his Trejo's tacos and the donuts. And I highly recommend that if you are in the Los Angeles area, go support his business because he is a gem of a person.
0: I totally agree with that and every the very limited interactions that I've had with him have always been positive. He is sort of uh, he's got that joie de vivre when you're around him, you're like, "Whoa, you have some sparkle on you that you can't yes. quite put your finger on, but you're like, you can tell he's in the room before you see him." That was my very yes. limited experience with him. And I love that you have the tea about him and that you got to interact yeah. with him. So did that make yeah. that experience Were you like, you know, this experience is really tough, but this makes it at least a little bit better?
1: Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of good things about being on that show, too. But it was, I think, as someone young starting out their career in the business, it was just it was like another reminder of there are wonderful people out there in this business, you know, and really helping me make my own opinion about what it was instead of what I thought it could be or, you know.
0: Should be. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. And where can you think of, are there any other super positive celeb experiences that you've had? Because I think that this is kind of a nice little, I think it's very easy, especially for me in LA. I've it's because of the work I do. I'm surrounded by people that you would recognize pretty often and I can become a little, jaded i would say i guess or just sort of the um expectations that i think we put on them can be somewhat unrealistic but also you know you hope that they're just always going to be on their best day and i think it's hard to remember that you know they're humans too and they don't always have their best days in public but is there anyone mm-hmm. else you can think of like on a set that you were like this person is lovely even if it were a director or anybody if there's no one you can think of totally fine
1: i loved felicity Hoffman. she was really she was, yes she was really personable and friendly and welcoming and the crew loved her you know i mean extra loved her there were other people part of that show that that uh, were well liked but she was very well liked
0: oh i'm glad to hear that yeah
1: and then she told me i sounded like holly hunter so i was like you do
0: oh my god you totally do Holy shit. Not just because of the Southern accent but because of the way you guys speak is smooth in the same way. How funny.
1: I never- well, especially when I had been out here for, you know, so little of a time. And so when you're new on a TV show, you're meeting all these people all day long. And, you know, and when I get nervous, I kind of can sound like this. Oh. And so people will be like, where are you from? South Carolina, South Carolina, I'm from South Carolina. And by the end of probably my second day, on a new show like that, I just like, I should get a t-shirt made that says I'm from South Carolina. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, yeah, I mean, I could see that because you, you have, I mean, I would still say you have a, probably a thick Southern accent, but I bet people from the South are like, no, her accent's basically gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything else you can think of that you, that is positive or maybe is there some sort of Advice you would give to PAs who are bright eyed and bushy tailed and looking to step into this? No need. If you don't, if you can't think of anything, no problem. But
1: a fun thing I can give advice to is that if you're from the South, you have to learn how to not use y'all in your emails all the time. (laughs) Did you get called out for that? No, I just you know it's still a thing too when when sending anything to like large troops. But hey, how y'all doing? How is everyone? You know, <laughs> what time are y'all gonna be ready? And uh, I don't I don't think people are down for that. That doesn't scream professional. <laughs> okay, I got to stop doing that. I do that anyway. But I did make a gallon of sweet tea for some ads I worked for on a movie, and that charmed the pants off of them.
0: Okay, see. <laughs> Small little acts of service and then you're you're in the game. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else you want people to know about customer service jobs or, you know, being on set or anything that you, you know, just want to get off your chest or add to about either industry?
1: I will say I still believe film and T V are magical. I agree. But do not put up with any bullshit because there are other nice people that will hire you. I had I had one of my old roommates, like he consistently worked for terrible people for a long time. And his idea was like, that's just how the business is. You know, like some people's view of Hollywood is like, it's all casting couch. It's all egotistical bullshit. It's all, and it's like, actually it's not. When I was hustling for jobs, I would send out emails with my resume saying, Hey, I'm looking for any extra days you have. And I had Gus Van Zant's first assistant director get back to me and say, thank you so much We're shooting out of town though. And then I had Ron Howard's uh, UPM get back to me and she was like, thank you so much, but we're going to be in Chicago and hiring locals only like, you know, I have been in contact with some really lovely people who love their work. That's the difference. It's like when you're working for people that love their job, it makes such a difference. So
0: I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. And the, and yeah. that dismantling that belief that it has to be awful until it's like amazing. It's like, it doesn't have to just be feast or famine emotionally. It can also yeah. be good. You can like what you do. Yeah,
1: I want to dismantle the belief that, you know, Hollywood's terrible because there's, there's no way I know way too many good people in this business They would not be in it for as long as they've been in it if it was all just, you know, greasy, slick agents that you had to deal with. You know, there's so many people that love what they do and the creativity and the family around it. So...
0: Well, a show that you... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's a lot
1: of good things, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a show that you helped get me on, uh, it ran. I don't think it's still running. It was called Trial and Error. And that was like a lovely, lovely experience. And there was a member of the crew who was, he was like, I think he was a grip. I, I, I wish I could remember what he did. But when he saw me there over and over and over again, because Michelle kept hooking me up, then he finally said to me, he was like, hey, you know, I noticed that you you tend to be like the last in line for the food or something. He just noticed something small about me. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I don't like the push because you never know. Everybody's always watching. And so then because crew would get access to food first, he would always make me a plate every day thereafter. And he would put my name on the plate and then he would leave it to where he thought I was sitting. And I was nobody on set. I was an act. I was a background actor. Like he could have just ignored me altogether. And it was such. I never knew yeah. Sweet. Yeah, it was the sweetest. And it sort of, it was like, oh, this is that kind of set. This is just, yeah. That was but also, one.
1: did he ask for your phone number?
0: No, he was never oh, inappropriate. I know. Be I know. I know. I was like, oh, this is just genuine. You're just like a good person. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, okay, well. Michelle, you've given me so much time and so many gems. And I'm just so, 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 so grateful. And I'm so grateful that you were like, hey, podcast, because I'm very weird about asking my friends. So yay for you being willing to be on this. So how are you comfortable giving out ways people can get in touch with you? Or I know you're kind of... nobody.
1: About me, it's fine.
0: <laughs> what she said was the sound went out. She said, Nobody cares about me, it's fine. So, when people obviously do care about your dumbass, how do you want people to be able to get in touch with you on yeah, socials and stuff? It's
1: fine, okay? They, cool. can, they can redirect their um attention to all of the goodness that you are putting out into the world. Oh,
0: I appreciate you so much.
1: Yeah, okay. the you.com. likes you.
0: Yeah, I don't love anybody, okay. I just like people. <laughs>
1: (laughs) redirect Redirect all questions and comments through (laughs) her please
0: okay well we're going to drop your checks now thank you so much for listening if you want to help us out here at service from hell leave us a five star review on iTunes and tell your friends to listen it will help us reach more people that need to be schooled in the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry and if you have stories of your own we'd love to hear them email us here at service from hell podcast at gmail.com and someone from our team will let you know when we're going to read your story on the air remember if you can't afford to tip you can't afford to go out so don't be garbage and be good to people it's easier that way thank you guys so much for listening michelle thank you for your time and all of your pearls of wisdom my goodness you overwhelmed me in the best way and thank you for sharing all of your lovely like you know insider trading stories because damn not everybody's that brave so yay to that you gave some people some hope i'm sure so Yeah, thanks for being here, Michelle. And oh, you can, yeah, go ahead. You mouth something. No? Okay, she's done talking. (laughs) All right, uh, well, that's it, guys. Good night. Okay, that was the intro. Is that You're better? you so good at that. Uh, thanks, friend. Appreciate you.
1: Good
0: Thank, job. you. Thank you. Uh, my old, uh, this guy that I used to host a radio show with in college, he reached out to me via Facebook the other day and he was like, he goes, you know, I jammed a restaurant for a while and I was like, oh my God, it's like I didn't know that. And then I was like, we can get the band back together. We can put our radio That's show yeah. back together. Yeah, so... Yeah anyway yeah well thank you for your time yeah good luck editing that what a clusterfuck no that was awesome what are you talking about that was so great i want to pull out all the like little pearls you gave me though like my god so many i was like that should be on a t-shirt that should be on a t-shirt so
1: fuck and some sort of
0: (laughs) no it was great